Good morning and welcome to Current Radio. It's Saturday, January 6th. Today we're looking at Biden's plea to save democracy facing harsh democratic reality and Ohio's governor banning gender transition surgeries for minors. Plus, Congress has two weeks to fix three big problems, and special counsel Jack Smith argues Trump's push to hold him in contempt in January 6th case is baseless. This coverage and more, up next. Welcome to Current Radio's Politics Station. Please enjoy today's selection of political news. As we approach the third anniversary of the 2021 insurrection, President Joe Biden has called for Americans to join him in defending U.S. democracy from former President Donald Trump. Abby, our resident expert, is here to delve into this. Abby, what's the significance of this call from President Biden? Thanks, Michael. President Biden's call is a significant one. It's a clear indication of the current political climate in the U.S., where democracy itself is seen as under threat. Biden's speech, delivered near Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, a symbolic location of American resilience, underscores this urgency. Biden's speech seemed to draw parallels between Trump's actions and those of dictators. Can you elaborate on this? Certainly, Michael. Biden highlighted some of Trump's more outrageous claims and comments, drawing analogies to the language of Adolf Hitler and the anti-democratic actions of dictators. This is a strong statement, suggesting that the former president's actions are not just problematic, but potentially dangerous to the very fabric of American democracy. Despite these concerns, there's evidence that a Democratic majority of American voters won't mind that Trump tried to overturn the last election. How do you interpret this, Abby? It's a complex issue, Michael. Three years after the Capitol was stormed, there has been a numbing of outrage and a blurring of reality. Trump is now the frontrunner to be the Republican presidential nominee for a third straight time. This suggests that his actions, rather than alienating his base, have in some ways solidified it. It's a testament to the deep political divisions in the country. And what about the ongoing investigations and prosecutions related to the insurrection? How are they progressing? There have been more than 890 convictions in connection with the insurrection, according to the Department of Justice. Trump still faces criminal prosecution for his efforts to overturn the 2020 election. However, he has made undermining confidence in the justice system a key pillar of his 2024 presidential campaign. These legal proceedings are slow, but they are ongoing and will likely continue to shape the political landscape. Finally, Abby, how do you see this playing out in the upcoming elections? Will the protection of democracy be a key issue? While the protection of democracy is a significant issue, it may not be the only one that voters care about. As former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi pointed out, the kitchen table issues, the economy, inflation, abortion rights, and immigration are also crucial. However, if Trump were to be convicted for his efforts to overturn the election, it could certainly impact his chances of winning in November. It's a complex and evolving situation. In a recent development, Ohio's Republican Governor Mike DeWine has issued an executive order banning gender transition surgeries for minors. Abby, our correspondent, is here to provide more insight into this decision. Abby, what can you tell us about this? Thanks, Michael. This executive order comes just a week after Governor DeWine vetoed a broader bill 
that would have prohibited transgender youth from receiving any form of gender-affirming care. The governor's stance is that parents, not the government, should make these critical medical decisions for their children. Interesting. So what does this mean for transgender youth in Ohio? Well, it's a mixed bag. On one hand, the veto of the broader bill was seen as a victory by LGBTQ advocates, as it would have restricted access to hormone blockers, hormone replacement therapy, and some mental health services. However, the new executive order does ban gender transition surgeries for minors, which is a significant restriction. This issue of gender-affirming care has become quite polarizing across the nation. Can you give us a broader context? Absolutely, Michael. In 2023, we saw a record number of anti-LGBTQ bills, many of which targeted gender-affirming care. While Democratic-led states have moved to enact protective measures, GOP-led state legislatures have passed bans and other restrictions. It's a contentious issue that's being hotly debated across the country. What's the medical community's stance on gender-affirming care? Most mainstream medical associations consider gender-affirming care, which includes a range of evidence-based treatments and approaches, as the standard of care for transgender and non-binary individuals. The types of care vary by the age and goals of the recipient. So what's next for Ohio in terms of this issue? Governor DeWine has announced that the Ohio Department of Health and the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services will develop a new set of rules for minors and adults seeking transition-related care. These rules will be developed following a public comment period. It's a complex issue with many facets. As we enter the new year, lawmakers in Washington face a daunting task. They have just two weeks to craft a new spending deal to avoid a partial government shutdown, address border issues, and approve more funds for Ukrainian soldiers. Abby, our political correspondent, is here to help us understand the implications. Abby, what's your take on this? Well, Michael, it's a tall order for any Congress, especially one that's been struggling with passing legislation. The stakes are high, not just domestically, but also internationally. A failure to pass these bills could have repercussions beyond America's borders. Could you elaborate on the international implications, Abby? Certainly, Michael. The U.S. has traditionally been a leader in addressing global issues. If our lawmakers fail to pass these bills, it could leave our allies concerned. It might give an impression that U.S. politicians are deepening global problems with their dysfunction rather than solving them. That's a significant concern. But let's bring it back home for a moment. What might a partial government shutdown look like and how could it impact everyday Americans? A partial government shutdown means that some federal agencies would have to cease operations, except in cases of emergency. This could lead to a delay in government services and potentially furloughs for federal employees. It's a situation that would affect millions of Americans, from those who rely on government services to those who work for the government. And what about the border issues and funding for Ukrainian soldiers? What's at stake there? The border issue is a contentious one with disagreements over immigration policy and border security. As for the funding for Ukrainian soldiers, it's a part of the U.S.'s commitment to support Ukraine in its conflict with Russia. Any delay or failure in approving these funds could have serious geopolitical consequences. It's clear that the next two weeks will be critical for both domestic and international affairs. 
Now, in the ongoing saga of the federal election interference case involving former President Donald Trump, Special Counsel Jack Smith has responded to Trump's accusations of contempt. Abby, our legal correspondent, is here to help us understand the latest developments. Abby, could you give us some context? Certainly, Michael. Trump's lawyers have argued that Smith should be held in contempt for submitting filings while the case is paused. They claim that the stay on the case, put in place by Judge Tanya Chukin, prohibits Smith from submitting any filings. Smith, however, has pushed back against these accusations, calling them false and baseless. So what's Smith's argument here? Why does he believe he's not in violation of the court order? Smith's team argues that they are merely fulfilling their continuing discovery obligations and complying with otherwise suspended deadlines. They assert that their actions are in line with the court's interest in a fair and prompt resolution of this case. They also point out that their filings require no response from Trump and therefore do not violate the stay order. What's the nature of the accusations from Trump's side? Why do they believe Smith is acting in contempt? Trump's team has accused Smith and his prosecutors of operating lawlessly. They argue that the stay on the case prohibits Smith from submitting any filings. Because Smith has continued to submit filings, they believe he should face monetary sanctions or be held in contempt. They also allege that Smith is using the stay to spread political propaganda. This case has been marked by a lot of back and forth between Trump and Smith. What's the broader context here? Indeed, Michael, there's been a considerable amount of sparring over the speed at which the case should proceed. Trump has accused Smith of trying to rush the proceedings, while Smith has argued that Trump is purposefully trying to delay the case until after the November presidential election. It's a complex situation, and it's clear that both sides are digging in their heels. It's a complex situation indeed. All right. That wraps up our stories for today on Current Radio, and we look forward to bringing you more updates tomorrow.